Welcome to SAS Talk with Kim, your sustainability action series podcast highlighting how local governments are leading the way toward a more sustainable future. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren. I've spent the last 16 years working for and with local governments to help them create resilient, inclusive, thriving communities. I started this podcast series to connect you with the key people on the ground putting sustainability into action in their communities. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to SAS Talk with Kim. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren, and really excited today to have Alex Dodds with us from the Sunlight Foundation. Alex is the Open City Storyteller. I just love that title, Alex. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kim. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about the work that the Sunlight Foundation does, and then let's get some background on this very interesting title that you have as Open City Storyteller. (laughs) Yeah, sure. No problem. So um, hello to everyone who's listening. Uh, My name is Alex, and the Sunlight Foundation is a national nonpartisan advocacy nonprofit dedicated to transparency in government, so working to make the work of government more open and uh, help people of all walks of life participate in the work of government more effectively. I'm specifically on the Open Cities team. So in addition to doing the work that I just described at the federal level, we also do it at, at at the city level. So working with city governments across the country to make their work more open, transparent, and participatory, and in particular working with them to publish open data um, specific, you know, cities collect information about all kinds of things, potholes and emergency room visits and um, zoning regulations and building permits. And we encourage governments and support them to make that information public and available online so anybody can see when, how many potholes got filled last year or what building permits have been issued in the last couple months. Uh, and so I work with a team of people, and that's sort of, in general, the, the work that we do. Um, my role is storyteller, and what that means is that I help city staff, you know, hold up that work to their residents and say, this is something that we care about as a city. We want to make data open and available online, and here's how we're doing that. So helping city staff tell the story of their work and also tell the story um, in that to other cities across the country so that other cities can see the ways that, you know, transparency and open data can benefit them and help them think about this as a strategy if they haven't thought about it before. So those are both ways that my work as a storyteller connects to the the broader goals of our team. That's great. And, you know, as you know, here at KLA, we, we're all about storytelling with data. Uh, so this is, this is such a natural link. Um, one of the things I love your thoughts on is kind of striking that balance, right, between open data um, is so important. There's so much valuable information that comes out of that. But that raw data isn't the, the story, right? Like for the general public to really understand it, there needs to be that storytelling component. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about maybe how you're helping um, local governments translate that that raw open data information into stories that the public can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think what has been really at the forefront of a lot of data specialists' minds lately is that if you build it, they might not necessarily come. Uh, There have been cities, increasing number of cities passing open data policies 
and beginning to publish that data. Both of those things are fantastic. We encourage them. We, I can't tell you how strongly we encourage cities to pass an open data policy that encourages the, use, the publication of open data and then actually publish it online. But then, like you said, you know, a lot of this data is now getting published and not necessarily uh, in ways that everyday residents can connect to or understand or that connects to bigger community conversations that are happening. So if a community is, is concerned about, you know, a new restaurant coming in or new development happening in a way that they might not necessarily want, you know, how can data inform that conversation or whatever the conversation is in your community? Um, and, and storytelling is absolutely a component of that. And I think storytelling and also story creating together because, um, and this is something that I'm, I think about a lot, which is that it's, it's the role of city staff to not just tell residents what's happening, but to help create that understanding together. And, you know, I think in, in an ideal world, it's really that co-creation. We talk about co-creation in a policy sense, but I think it's also in terms of how communities understand meaning together. So that's one component and one thing, um, one way that storytelling connects to this work, which is that it's creating these narratives together that you share. But I think another part of the work that city staff don't always understand is that sometimes, you know, you are competing for residents' attention about a lot of stuff. And you just have to, and just, you know, keeping it really simple and just saying over and over again to a lot of different people in a lot of different places that this is something that you're doing, that you're doing open data work, that open data is available, that you want to hear from them about how to use open data or, or address the issues that they care about. Just saying that over and over again and being sort of the steward of that message is another really important role for, for cities to, to play. I think that's such a great point, Alex. And it's one that I'm guessing, I know I've seen it, you probably have as well, but it's often forgotten, right? I feel like oftentimes we only want to tell good stories, you know, like, oh, look at how mm -hmm. well we did here. We only want to talk about the good things. But so much about being transparent and an open government is about saying, here's some good stuff. Here's some bad stuff. Here's stuff we don't even know about. But like you're saying, just tell them that we're trying. We're trying to make yeah. it. Are you finding that, that that's a challenge that a lot of cities you work with are trying to overcome? I think that it's, it's certainly something that city staff think about. And I know that what you say is totally right, that cities like not only good stories, but really, you know, they, will, they like a splash. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for the fact that elected leaders always want to cut the ribbon at the brand new, you know, project opening. Um, and that's always you know, I think when we talk about storytelling, we kind of want to say like, we won, we did it. We, you know, it's, we reached the end mm -hmm. and here's That's like the accomplishment. Story. Yeah. Right. Right. And you know, the work of city government is not often like that. A lot of times it's like, you know, we had our 400th community meeting about, you know, this X project. Um, and, but that's worth celebrating too. And I think that there is absolutely value in saying, and, you know, in, like I said, being a steward and just being a consistent voice in the community as a city leader, um, as a city staff member to, to making change happen and making progress happen. So 
What are some of the challenges that you're seeing? I mean, aside from this one we just discussed, are there challenges that cities are having instituting some of these open data policies that you're seeing? I think probably most of the, the mayors and city leaders who we talked to are really interested and excited in open government and open data. I think that, um, you know, I think the most common reason why we hear people support open data or are interested in open data is that um, it's going to help them coordinate better between departments, which is a really interesting thing. Um, it's sometimes just easiest for city departments to coordinate with each other if that data is public. Um, so that is certainly something that we hear in terms of why people want to get involved. Um, the, I think what we would add is that it also, by making it public, it helps bring people in and helps give your work as a city data uh, staffer, you know, community support, that people in the community have ideas and wanna help make their city better. And that can give the work momentum uh, that it might not have otherwise. The downside to that and sort of the reasons why, to your original question, the reasons why some people don't always get excited about this is because it can make you vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And some city staff are afraid to have, you know, members of the public weigh in on what they're doing and, it, you know, it does open you to criticism. Um, but I think that that vulnerability is also a really powerful motivator and I, I don't mean that in a way that, it, and not in a fear-based way, I mean that being truthful and showing what you do is a way to build community in, in a really durable and powerful way. Like getting community buy-in, you know, working with community members to, to explain what you're doing, listen to what they have to say, and then use that as a way to transform the work of open government and open data are all really powerful motivators um, that I think city staff can take advantage of. So, so vulnerability, um, that fear of public criticism, I think is a big concern. Um, and then, you know, culture change, you know, within city hall, I think city staff and city departments have ways of working. And sometimes it takes some, you know, convincing of colleagues to get involved and get on board with that idea. Um, but there are, there are definitely benefits both for the work of the city and also for the broader community. So you all have a particular framework that you utilize with cities. Can you talk a little bit about how cities are using this tactical data engagement framework um, to put their data into action? Yeah, it, tactical data engagement is tied to all of these things that I'm talking about. And basically what it is is related to that point that I made earlier about how if you build it, they might not necessarily come. Um, we Tactical data engagement is about helping communities use the data being published by their city to address community challenges or inform community conversations. So it's really about putting data into work for social impact. And basically it involves four things. It's a four-step process. The first one is finding a general focus area. You can find all of this on our website at sunlightfoundation.com slash TDE. Find a focus area, refine information use cases by interviewing stakeholders, design a plan for coordinating with target data users and then implementing an intervention. So find, refine, design, and then implement. 
And basically the whole idea behind this is related to something called um, tactical, tactical urbanism, if you're familiar with that, it, mm-hmm. and also human-centered design. And both of those disciplines, which are um, from related fields, but not necessarily um, open data specifically, they put people and the needs of people at the center of the design process and of, the, of government processes. So um, if applying that thinking to, to open data, it's really thinking about what does a user of data need? Who are those users likely to be? And how can we publish data? How can we as a city publish data and support people who are going to be using that data in whatever they are going to be doing it with? So one of the um, d- disciplines that this was informed by, tactical urbanism, brings this approach to transportation. And transportation or urban planning, um, you know, it's often thinks similarly in like huge infrastructure scale ideas that we're going to build, an, you know, a freeway overpass or, you know, a huge development of housing. And those are absolutely valuable and things that we need to do. But the, what tactical urbanism does is it takes it to a very human-centered scale, a very human scale to understand what a person, what a pedestrian experience is walking down the street and how small interventions like putting in a street bench or painting a bike lane can make the experience of that person easier and, and better. Um, and they do it in a way that's very iterative. So they do it in a way that's very flexible and can be changed if it needs to. Um, and it doesn't necessarily require a huge financial investment. And it's a way to, for the city to sort of see what people need very directly and then meet those needs um, in the easiest way possible. So that's all of that is behind our thinking and tactical data engagement. It's really, you know, it's, I love the framework. I think it's very powerful and seems like it could net a lot of positive social impacts could you just talk a little bit about, because you've mentioned it to some extent, but really because equity is such a big issue now. Um, and, and folks, it's been an issue for a long time, but I guess it's more appropriate to say that we're finally trying to do something about it and ensure more equity. Um, obviously, social impacts fit in on that, but could you talk a little bit about how this framework and or open data policies and and practices can help local governments address the equity concerns? Yeah, definitely. Um, I heard a a great quote. It was a friend of ours from the Urban Institute who shared it, and he had been working on a project about school data. So a school district was making data open and available and publishing online and basically said to parents, Now you can go to our website and see all of this information about all of the schools in the city, and you can make an informed decision based on that data. And one of the parents raised their hand and said, you know, that's really great for parents who have the education and the time to understand that data and, you know, the time available to process it. I don't have that time. And the parent got really upset because they were basically making the point that by publishing that data and then not helping residents understand it, the school district was just exacerbating inequities. It was saying, you know, the resources are there, you go for it. Mm -hmm. But unless you're helping the residents use that data and make decisions based on that data, the city is sort of not, it's falling short of really 
using data in a way that's going to address equity, like you say. So that's a lot of what tactical data engagement is about, is about going that additional step to not just publish information and then hope that residents can use it, but to say, we're going to publish information and we're going to proactively be a support to help you use that information. It's kind of like if, you know, the city just handed out bags of concrete and said, here you go, we're giving you concrete, go pave your own roads. You know, there's sort of, there's sort of one more step that the city has to do. They have to also facilitate the use of that cement or the use of that data. So that's what, that's really what we're trying to get to. So to your question about equity, Data can definitely help show inequities. I think that that is one of the most powerful um, parts of open data is that it can show where money is being spent and where resources are going and who is being impacted by city efforts and whether those efforts are disproportional, efforts good and bad. Um, and, but it's, it's not necessarily going to fix inequity unless city staff are proactive and saying, we have this data, we're going to help residents use it and understand it and be empowered to use that data and be informed by that data to address issues like inequity. Mm-hmm. Th- that's a really good point because um, the data can show that, right? It can show where the inequities are, but you, there really there is an extra step to do that. And you know, I actually, uh, I've done a presentation and some workshops with folks on some storytelling and I take it to the most basic level. And I can't tell you how many local government folks like, oh my God, this is, this was so good. And I'm thinking, this is all basic. You know, all this stuff. And they say, yes, Mm. I totally know this, but people get caught up in the day to day and that's perfectly natural. And if, if I'm the engineer or if I'm the planner on a big project and this has been my project for a year, I totally know every single thing about it. I'm not necessarily thinking that, Hey, other people haven't thought about this for a year. They may not have all the knowledge and information. And sometimes in local government, we have to take that step back in anything really with communicating, take that step back and really yeah. think about the audience in helping them understand it because it's not necessarily more work um, or really hard to do. It's just really keeping it simple and focusing on what matters. I mean, what, do you agree with that? That it's, you know, getting the story right doesn't have to be such a, such an added task. I feel like cities are like, oh, another big task for me to do. Yeah, I, of course I agree. And I think that, you know, city staff almost always have gotten into this work because they care about their community. It's, you know, it's rare that people go into, into civil service thinking like, oh man, this is, this is going to be, you know, so flashy and amazing. Um, They go in because they care and they want to make a difference. And it's, it's, I think a big part of the work here is to remember that and to, and to honor that, even though the work of government is not, is not always focused on that. But a lot of times, like you say, people get focused on the day to day but everybody is in the work of civil service because they want to make a difference and they want to do things better. And, and saying that as a city staffer and saying, I'm not only an employee of the city, but I'm a resident of the city and I care about the quest, the questions and concerns that people in this room or this meeting or this town has um, is very powerful. And, and like you said, getting it back to basics, I think no one has ever, um, gotten frustrated that people took it back to to a place of authentic care. Mm, 
Oh, that's so great. That's such a great statement. And it's so true. Like those of us who have been in local government, it you don't go for the money, right? You don't go for the fame. <laughs> it's <laughs> there because you care and you want to make a difference in a community. Um, I, I think that's so great. So yeah, give us a sense of um, who's leading these initiatives. You know, is it you've mentioned a lot about local government staff. Uh, are there situations where it's more of like a community group or an organization residents that are driving it? Uh, or city open data specifically? Yeah, city open data policies. And yeah, it's, it's almost always comes from within city hall. Um, it's sometimes um, there are community partners who care about transparency. Often um, local media outlets care a lot about transparency from the government, mostly because they genuinely want to know. They're sort of paid to be curious. Um, so they'll often ask a city government about what's going on. Um, but most of the time from the, the cities that are really successful at this, it comes from within City Hall Sometimes it's just an entrepreneurial city staffer who learns about open government as a concept and as a sort of framework or an approach mm. and brings it to their supervisor or the mayor or, or the city council and says, this is something that I think would be really great. It's going to build accountability and um, trust between the city and the people who are serving. And I think it would be, it's going to help our work. And those are the ones that really take off. Um, but then sometimes the, uh, when it comes down to executing that strategy, especially on open data, it's, it's rare that a city has dedicated staff who publish open data. You know, the bigger cities, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, have amazing open data teams and have invested very heavily in that. But once you get down past sort of the top 10 largest cities in the country, um, it's pretty rare, actually, to have dedicated data staff. And a lot of the cities who we work with at Sunlight um, have sort of a hodgepodge group of IT staff, and maybe there's a, you know, a analytics person who's trying to understand metrics in a, in a you know, a way in addition to open data. Um, and they usually work, you know, part of their time on this. Um, but it's very often sort of a volunteer effort within City Hall of different department staff working on it just as they're able to. And, you know, cities are able to get a lot done um, with that. I think they would be able to get even more done if they had actual um, dedicated staff working on it. But, you know, every city, every city in the country pretty much is working within a finite set of resources. So the cities that we do work with um, are doing an amazing job, all that said. Yeah, it's, it's always been the case. It's always a, uh more things to do and, and less money to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, okay, so we've covered a lot of things here. Um, you know, everything from the importance of open data policies and how that's translating, you know, data into a story, why that's important to engage a community for equity. What is kind of the, the next big thing, um, you know, coming down the, the pike here for that you're seeing um, around open data and transparency? What's kind of the, the next big movement? I think it's, it's putting data, open data into action, like I've discussed a little bit. Um, I think it is encouraging staff and, I, you know, sort of what we're seeing is 
city staff are doing even more and more to get out of their offices and into the community to understand what community members need and how open data connects to that. Um, it's, it's challenging. It's really, you think that it, it seems like an easy idea, like, oh yeah, just ask the community what they need and then make data open available about that. <laughs> um, but it's hard, you know, relationship building is hard and building trust takes time and work. Um, so I think there's a, there's an incredible foundation right now of published data. You know, data is being published every day, every week, every month, every year about whatever is going on in cities. And now it's really building the relationships with community members and community nonprofits and organizations to use that data to make change happen, to make progress happen. Um, you know, we are seeing some of that. We're, we're right now, we're piloting tactical data engagement in a few different cities. Um, we just, just, just announced pilots with Austin, Texas and Norfolk, Virginia, mm-hmm. which we're really excited about. And if anyone is listening from either of those cities, um, we would be happy to have your help or hear your thoughts about how the city could be better making data impactful. Um, you can email us at opencities at sunlightfoundation.com and tell us what you think the city should do with its open data. Um, we're also farther along on uh, our third pilot with the city of Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, and we are helping them use their open data to inform equitable neighborhoods. The city is right now in the middle of its comprehensive, long-range development plan. And it's also working very hard to make its neighborhoods more equitable and inclusive. And so we're working with the city to help them use open data to inform both of those conversations that are happening right now. And it's really exciting. And, it, uh, you know, we've talked to many, many individuals and uh, community leaders in Madison as part of this research. And um, because it's one of our first pilots, we're still learning and improving the TDE process, the tactical data engagement process. Uh, but we are, uh, I think, getting pretty close to the, the that fourth stage of implement an intervention in Madison. So you can look for that in the next couple of weeks. Oh, that's great. So for the communities out there that, you know, haven't gotten something started, um, you know, what what is something easy they can do to, to just get started trying to think about or move forward with an open data policy? Yeah, we offer a ton of resources on our website about how a city can make an open data policy of their own. We have a a repository, a library of open data policies that have been passed in cities across the country. We also have an open open data policy wizard, um, which is sort of like the Mad Libs for open data policy to get you started on one for your city. Um, We also have a guide about crowd law and um, I'll, this is, I'm going to take like a little bit of a detour to explain this component of our work, Please. sort of in keeping with our focus on transparency and participatory government. Crowd law is our approach, or it's, it's an approach that we advocate for, I should say, um, that encourages residents to weigh in on draft uh, laws before they are passed. So, you know, usually we work with a city to have an open comment period to post the draft text of their policy online and encourage residents to weigh in and comment and ask questions. Um, So we have a guide also about how to make that happen in your city, including the technical nuts and bolts of how to publish a a policy online, 
and then some tips about how to do uh, proactive community engagement to get not only um, comments, but very diverse comments from all parts of your community, from people in all parts of your community to weigh in on the policy. So go to sunlightfoundation.com slash open cities and you can find all types of um, resources to make an open data policy of your own. And, and then once the policy is passed, if you already have a policy or if you want to start publishing even without an open data policy, it's, it's not necessarily a prerequisite. Um, we also have information on our website about uh, the, the ways that cities can publish data in pretty lightweight ways. I know that there is a lot of discussion about how to build a big, fancy open data portal, mm-hmm. and we are very strong advocates that you do not necessarily need that to start publishing data from your city. Um, just releasing Excel documents is absolutely unacceptable and totally great place to start if that's the capacity that your city has, especially at the beginning. Well, it sounds like the Sunlight Foundation alone has plenty of resources for our listeners to you know, get started and learn some best practices. Um, I appreciate you taking the time, Alex, to join us. This has been a very interesting and really important, timely conversation. Uh, you know, I feel like we are in a kind of a transformational time right now, and there's a lot of things that are feeling a little out of whack in our world. Um, but there's so much good happening at the local level, and, and so much I know that I've seen, and I'm, I'm sure you have as well. We're, we're really trying to connect with people and make people more connected to our local governments. Um, I don't think most of us are as connected as we really could be. And this is the place where we live, where we, you know, shop, where we often work, where our kids go to school. Um, You know, I think this is a real opportunity to to have that two-way conversation between cities and, and community members. And, you know, really thank you for the work that you're doing. It's very important. Yeah, well, likewise, you know, I, I know that the work that you do also thinks about these these questions and how to make the place where you live better. Um, and I, I know that the work that you do focuses a lot on the thinking about a specific way to make communities better. And I, you know, anything that helps people think about that in a very nuts and bolts, not only because I think, like you say, people can get overwhelmed by the challenges that any community is facing right now. And I think one of the really wonderful parts of data is that it can give us a, a straightforward way, you know, one actionable way to take action. So I know that the work that you do is also really helpful in that way. So thank you also for the good work that you do. <laughs> well, thank you for that. This has been great. Um, again, uh, it's Sunlight Foundation. Um, Open Cities has a ton of resources for you. Alex, thank you again so much for your time. This has been um, a wonderful conversation. Thanks a lot, Kim. It was good to be here. Thank you for joining this episode of SAS Talk with Kim. You can listen to other podcasts in our sustainability action series at sastalkwithkim.com. Remember that action is the key to your community's sustainable future. What will you act on today?